Hello, welcome to Denton Talks. This is Tal, and today we have an incredible story to share. Nina Enders is here, and she is an open book. We talk career change, dealing with deep trauma, self-acceptance, anger, and not letting your story define who you are. She's a prominent yoga and meditation teacher. She leads retreats all over the world, including one of ours in August. Her practice embodies self-acceptance and empowerment, and they were all influenced by her childhood and diagnosis of a chronic disease. So look, if you're someone who feels stuck or like sh- like shit that's happened to you in the past is the entire reason why nothing good happens to you in the present, this will be exactly what you need to hear. Don't forget to stay tuned because always at the end, we do a personal practice and she's going to do a 10-minute chakra meditation. I'm so excited you're here. I just think what's kind of cool about this is we've had this like weird synergy. We only met once and it was pretty brief, actually. Did you know I didn't know you were the owner? Oh, you didn't? I love that. You shouldn't know I was the owner. I had no idea. Yeah, there's no reason that you had to know that. I know, but I thought that was so awesome. And after I was like, I like her even more. (laughs) She got this playlist and I was like, I have to be friends with this person, but like no idea. I just thought you were just, you know. But she did this incredible free people event. And yes, you had the most amazing playlist. But what I remember specifically about it, which I loved was like, you had this incredible presence about you. You just felt like you belonged. And I knew you'd flown in the night that day, actually. You'd just flown in and you weren't from LA. You didn't know the den. And there was just something about you that I'm like, you just felt like you belonged. And I weirdly felt like I already knew you, like within seconds. And even though I had to leave early because I had a baby at home, I just couldn't get over this like magnanimous presence. And I always feel like people who have that, who effortlessly, they don't even realize they're commanding like attention are usually pretty confident within themselves. Like, are you, does any of this resonate with you? Are you the type of person that kind of feels like anywhere can be home? Like, can you make yourself at home easily? Absolutely. And I, I think I've always been like that. I didn't, it, it, it was less charming in some, at some points in my life. (laughs) In what way? That's hilarious. Uh, because I think that I just didn't really understand myself, um, the way I do now in this moment. So I would, it could be obnoxious, you know, if you don't, if that fiery energy or, or that confidence, right. Is kind of like, I always, I always equate it to like the slow burn. Like I'm trying to now still embrace the fire in me. Cause I'm an Aries like through and through, but I don't want to burn the fucking house down, which is what I used to do a lot. So now I'm just trying to like have this nice fire that's nourishing and warm and like inviting instead of like burning. It's so true. It's like all of our, every quality each one of us has can go either way. It's like, you can either use it for a positive or a negative. So it's so fascinating that you're talking, it's like strength, same thing. Like I tell my child who's really strong, let's please use your powers for good. Um, what, if you had to describe yourself now then in three words, cause it's interesting. You're talking about qualities. Like where are you in your life now? What three words would you use? Strength and softness. I like it. Two words, but it still works. Strength. And so there's like a balance happening. There's an and in there. Oh, and (laughs) that's right. Three words. You're right. You got me. (laughs) Fair enough. The balance is like very key, you know, whether it's holding space for clients, because I'm an opinionated person that's just kind of in my blood. And, but I never, ever want to come off, whether it's talking to a friend or a client, um, like I'm in any position higher than who I'm speaking to. I don't know better. I'm not, I'm a guide, but I'm not, 
you're the best teacher, you know, whether it's me speaking to a client or with my husband or a friend, I think it's knowing, having a good sense of who you are and also who you want to be at all times. So, uh, yes, I'm a strong woman and I absolutely love that about myself, but I don't want to, uh, run anyone over. And I think I've done that in my life in previous lives, I'm sure. (laughs) So it's just a matter of kind of like reining it in, you know, and, uh, and understanding, I think for a big chunk of my life, I, I didn't quite, couldn't quite wrap my head around that everyone else didn't think the same as me on an emotional level. So I was always ready to like, I don't have a problem with confrontation. I don't have a problem with speaking my mind. I'm kind of like, let's talk about it and then it'll be over. But a lot of people are uncomfortable with confrontation and they don't want to have the conversation. And so I've, I've learned to kind of, um, appreciate all types of energies and kind of wiggle within the alleyways of those. But that's so beautiful because that really is what it is. We all know we don't all react the same way. Cause I have the same problem. It's like, I will confront in two seconds. And then if you're confronting someone who's not used to that, they can take it personally actually. And it gets the completely wrong reaction or effect that you're looking for. So it, yeah. So it's amazing when you can actually understand the energy you're speaking to, then you can approach it differently. Do you, it, and look, you can tell you clearly are a teacher and you're a very popular yoga meditation teacher, spiritual leader, Reiki practitioner, all of that have, and, but has it, let's chat about how you got there. Like do, clearly you were saying you've been struggling with like even the balance of your own strengths. Like we're as, even as a kid, you feel like you always had this in you or is your life always like kind of one of calmness and balance or let's chat about like how you got where are you from? Where are you from originally? I grew up in Connecticut. My father was in New York. He was actually in LA for a time. So I absolutely hated LA because he left after my parents got divorced for a bit and went to LA. So I was just like, fuck that place. That place sucks. Um, but yeah, I was back and forth between Connecticut. I would visit LA a lot, but then he went back to New York. He's like a through and through New Yorker. So that, um, (laughs) It didn't last that long, but no, I grew up in a really chaotic, uh, my parents are both artists. They're really amazing people, but they're very, uh, neurotic, both of them. And they were in an unhappy marriage. So it was just constant fighting. And there was a lot of death around me when I was nine. It was like, they got separated both my grandmothers died within a month and a half of each other. Oh, brutal. Um, I was actually, now I'm just making that connection that the exact same year, which is a huge part of where I am, I was sexually assaulted. I was molested by my babysitter's son. How old was he? He was probably 14 or 15 and I was nine. So awful. So it was just like this year of like, you know, talk about burning things to the ground, everything around me had just crumbled. And I was a kid and I just felt like, you know, and then you became like super, like after that, were you, I, I think I took a break. I took like a moment to be really sad, but it was all internal. Like I didn't speak to anybody about how sad I was. So when 
I went really quickly into the angry place, but I wouldn't say that like really got to the peak when I was, when I was like 13, then I just wanted everybody around me to suffer. Up, up until nine, were you relatively like a happy kid or the chaos was kind of getting to you anyway? I was always a happy kid and I was always really spiritual, which I didn't really know what to do with. And I didn't realize that I was, you know, but I, but my parents used to call me alien because I would just say these really like far out. Like what? Like, what does that mean? Like being spiritual? When my grandfather died, I was three and I wasn't close to him. I was three, you know, and he was kind of an asshole. So (laughs) we were in the car and I just had this, I always had the sense that I needed to take care of everybody around me. Like I just always felt compelled to hold space. So we were sitting in the car and everybody was crying and I was silent. And I just said like, does anybody mind if I sing? (laughs) And everyone was like, sure. And so I started to sing somewhere over the rainbow, which like in retrospect, like is I'm a little kid, but also I, there was definitely some like deeper meaning to me. And I just think it's so beautiful because it was so simple to me. Right. Like I just thought people are sad and I have something in my arsenal that I think will bring them some peace. So let's try this. By the way, you know, we're Skyping right now, but she has a rainbow like over her left shoulder. I'm sure it's a toy for your kid, but it's interesting. (laughs) Just to bring it all full circle. Um, So yeah, and then, you know, I can't remember some of the the Nina stories because, you know, I try not to latch onto them, but I was definitely in tune and uh, connected to something. And then divorce, death, and abuse, which I'm sure had a huge toll, obviously, came at nine. And that kind of all went somewhere else in you, kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can we, I mean, can we talk about the abuse a little bit? So you said you got silent. So did people not know? I was, no one knew until, I can't remember when, it was maybe a year or two, maybe. And I was watching, do you remember Nick News? Kind of. I've heard of it. I can't remember her name, but anyway, she was, you know, it was this very like informative uh, kind of show for kids about like what's right and what's wrong. And um, she started talking about abuse and if someone touches you and of course I knew that it was wrong, but I also had no idea what it was because I was nine years old. So I just remember feeling like this overwhelming sense of, shame and guilt and uh panic and so I went to my room and I will never forget I had this wooden chair and I it's strange to me that instead of going to my bed where I was comfortable I went to this chair like almost to punish myself and I sat there and I locked my door and I just cried for hours and my mom finally thought I was playing or something and knocked on the door and she let me in I let her in and I told her And it was, you know, it was ugly. They said that I was lying and it became this whole kind of mess. So I really just wanted it to stop. So we didn't press charges or go any further with it because I was a kid and it was just, you know, it was too much. So after that, then does what, I mean, it doesn't just go away for you. So do you just get quiet? Where, where, Where do you put that? What do you do with that? I put it all down where I think a lot of us put it um, in my belly. So I got, I just put it away and I just kind of carried on because that's what you do. And that's what we do 
you know? When you talk about carrying on and putting it away, is, is there, and forgive me if any of these questions are offensive because they don't mean to be offensive at all, but are there moments that you forget? And by forget, I mean like you convince yourself of your own silence. Like, are there moments you trick yourself or is it avoid, like what are the conversations you're having with yourself at this point that are internal that no one else can hear? I pretended that it didn't happen. I just, I just never can remember thinking about it again uh, until maybe my late teenage years when I really was just trying to figure out why I was so angry. I mean, parents get divorced, you know, like it's not, it's traumatic, but it certainly wasn't the end of the world. They were miserable together. It was better that they were not together. And I just remember like trying to figure out what it was and that would surface and I would push it back down and it would surface again. And I, and I really, I think it manifested in my relationships with men in a big fucking way. Like I didn't trust any of them. Oh, you know, I had really great guy friends, but as far as any sort of like sexual relationship, I had a high school boyfriend who, you know, he, I lost my virginity to him and he would, at one time he just took my wrist and it wasn't in any aggressive way. And I just had a meltdown because it was just this act of power and control. And I just, it triggered something in me that I really wasn't expecting. So do you feel like there was anything that could have happened back then that would have helped process it for you at all? Or no, it's just a thing. Like, would it have helped if you were talking about it? Would it have helped if like charges were, is there anything that you feel like that would have been better for my soul? I think my mom has been practicing, you know, yoga and meditating and Reiki since the beginning of that, since as long as far as I can remember. And for me, it was always like, so weird. What is she doing? Like, why is she this weird hippie? (laughs) Uh, Isn't it funny? Full circle. But so I feel like the tools were, it's hard to say because really how I feel in my heart is that I'm really happy it happened the way it happened. Like I'm happy that I didn't have any of this until I did. And the language wasn't there until I really needed it. So I don't know. I'm just not really a person to look back and say, what if, you know, I'm kind of like, this is, this is, so that's what it was. And I'm grateful that it happened the way it happened, you know? So I did, I went to, you know, I went to college, I did that whole thing. And when I was 22, I was in this relationship. um, And it was really toxic because again, that's was kind of how it was playing out in my relationship with men. And I was in school in Boston and we were moving to his apartment in New York. And I knew in my body and my cells that I should not be moving into this apartment with him. And he picked me up. And we drove to New York. And as soon as we pulled in, I, my stomach just went nuts and I had never had any sort of symptom like this before. And I was in bed for three weeks. I couldn't eat a thing. I lost like 10 pounds and I had to go home to my mom's house in Connecticut. And I was in bed for three months and I lost a total of like 20 pounds. I was a, a skeleton. I'm a small framed person to begin with. And my mom thought I was dying. She was 
like didn't know, no doctor could figure it out. And I went to acupuncture and I couldn't even walk at that point because my, I, I was just, it was so bad. Yeah. And I went to acupuncture and I felt so much better. I walked out of there and I was like, okay, like there's, there's a light. And then something really terrible happened with my mother and my body just snapped out of it. It was the craziest thing what you can convince, what your mind can do to your body, you know, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. And I went back to New York and I started working again and I remember it had, I relapsed or I, uh, what do you call it? Um, had a flare and it turns out it's Crohn's disease. Crohn's is tough. So it's like this, you know, thing that they tell you is for life, right? Which I call bullshit on any of that because I just don't believe that that is, that's just not what I believe. But in the time when you're suffering and there's a doctor who we've positioned in our society as like godlike with the pill, with the answer, I'm like, sure, give me it, whatever, like, just make me better. And so I went down that route and I got better until I wasn't again. And this happened for like years until finally I got so sick that I had to just change my life entirely. And sitting and healing that trauma so, like, I had tunnel vision about it. I was like, I need to heal this. And I haven't taken a drug since. That's incredible. So you, that was your breaking point. Because yeah. I do find, I mean, let's talk about breaking points because I find them fascinating. It's like people weirdly need breaking points. Is there any advice? Like, do you remember like mentally what, if you could look back and again, and not what ifs, but if you could look back, is there anything now you could point to, to give advice to people before they get to a breaking point? Like this is the stuff you're ignoring that's happening. And the breaking point's now coming to slap you in the face to like wake you up. Is there something that someone can pay attention to? Cause look, so many people out there have experienced trauma. It might not be exactly how yours look, but it's a version. And I think and even just the trauma of just being like you said, you didn't want to move in with your boyfriend, even just that trauma of going against your gut of what you're supposed to be doing can really take a huge toll physically on you. So what are like symptoms? And I say that in air quotes that people can maybe pay attention to before they get to that breaking point, or does everyone need a breaking point? Uh, Ooh, I have so many thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I love a good breaking point. I love a good breakdown because I think that they're breakthroughs, you know, they're, where are you going to go? You're at the bottom. I was working in fashion and it was like the worst fucking place in the world to be, but I built this up as this was going to be my career and this is what I was meant to do. And now I'm here and my boss had, you know, called me the C word seven times that day. And I was just like, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, so my point is that like, I couldn't have gotten lower on the breakdown level. Yeah. And many of my clients, I would say that come to me are at that point, even if they don't know that they're at that point, when we start to unpack stuff, they're like, oh shit, like this is it. So I think I would say we need them, but also as far as symptoms, it's the gut, it's the intuition, it's the doubt. It's like this overwhelming doubt that we all have. And that is like really 
kind of capitalized on too of like don't trust yourself like fear this like you know conform and it's just you know you know like what do you know you know go there do that if this isn't serving you you are the only one who knows that and don't doubt that just but why do you think up. <laughs> but why do you think so many of us do doubt it because i think if you look in society today it's actually harder to trust it than it is to doubt it. hundred percent. I think that we, you know, without being an alarmist of like, we're all being watched and we're all being manipulated on a regular basis. I think that the messaging that we receive from a very young age, especially in the States is, and I think it took me really moving out of the States to realize how manipulative, manipulative it, the messaging is here. Everything is fear-based. Everything is don't trust yourself. Trust this. Don't, you know, don't like homeopathic stuff and natural, you know, that that's witchy. That's woo woo. That's like, we're still living in like olden days where it's like, Oh, are you a witch? It's like, yeah, it's so true. It is very fear-based. I remember when my job ended and I was you know, I knew very clearly I needed a break. That was the one thing that was very clear. And so when I was lucky enough to get this outpouring of support from people just calling to be like, come do this and like offering me jobs. I remember with my old boss, who I love dearly, we always had a very different thought process. He's like, do this. Come on, you have to do this. And I'm like, that sounds interesting. Great. And he just laughed. He goes, fuck, you're going to take time, aren't you? I know it. You're going to be that that person who actually takes time because he knew I was like, he used to call me witchy and weird. And I was like, yeah, I, I know I need the time. I'm going to take the time. And that really was hard for people to process or understand or trust because it was so different than other people because there is a lot of fear. I mean, they, they teach you to have fear of there won't be a job waiting for you when you do decide to come back. You're not going to be able to survive. And, and for me, I always just had that outlook I, but I know I can survive. I just might have to change my lifestyle. It might be a very looking life, but I'm okay with that. Like, I don't want to do something, but it is really hard for people to, it's the one thing I always try and tap into. I love that we're having this conversation because I feel like I have an instinct for it, but I always like to figure out how can we teach people how to do it? Cause it is a really hard thing. People get very scared, understandably to trust something that they don't know. I have a client who's in her fifties. And she's like this really smart, really powerful woman. And she constantly asked me, it's the beginning. Is that okay? Is that okay? Did I do that? And I'm like, don't ask me. Like, you got this, you know? So whether I'm teaching a yoga class or, you know, the mentorship is really like where my focus is right now because I'm just really enjoying like, building people up and giving them tools and watching them thrive and build amazing businesses and get out of things, relationships or jobs or what patterns that make them miserable. You know, um, I think it's just you teaching people not to be afraid is a really thing. But it's, it's just about empowering. You know, it's just about constant being consistent about it too. And like practicing being confident, practicing how you speak to yourself. That is like such a huge part of the, the way it kind of unfolds is that if we keep telling ourselves we suck or we're not good, or it won't be, you know, what are, what am I going to do? I'm not going to have any money or I'm not going to be relevant anymore. Or someone's going to take my job. It's like, you have to reframe and change the conversation with yourself first before you 
actually do something. Absolutely. It's know that also you, just because you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow, you also don't know what the world is going to look like tomorrow. So, and I don't mean that in like an apocalyptic way. I just mean, but right. Fair enough. I I do mean like as simple as you don't know what jobs are actually going to be available when you're ready to go. You don't know what your interests might be. So I wonder if also framing that too, don't just have fear and stress in what you think is now that you might not have. Like it's all unknown. So there is in some way I find that comforting to know it's all unknown. It's not just you. That's the unknown. It's all unknown, which means we're all going to figure it out and it's all going to figure itself out for you. Yeah. And I also say over and over again, like, isn't that kind of the beauty of it all? It's like you, you leave no room for magic to happen. And I don't mean that in like a cliche way. I mean that truly, like if you have everything planned to a T, first of all, it's not going to happen that way. And you're setting yourself right, up. And then you're, exactly. But number two, you, there's no room for this amazing stuff to come into your life. You know, like I didn't plan to meet my husband in Mexico, but I would. <laughs> You know, that was, that was last on my list was, was meeting him there. I was like, these guys are a bunch of like burnouts or tourists. Like, I'm not trying to meet the love of my life here, you know, and, and you it's not this like dude. And I'm like, wait a second. It's true. Cause even people dating everyone's so it has to be this, 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 and that. And then they don't see all the stuff on the periphery that could be perfect for them. Like on that note. So it's so interesting because what you're saying, which I love is the more you empower yourself and the more you believe in yourself and the more you trust yourself and practice that, the easier this all becomes to take that step into the unknown. Now to circle full, to go back to like the trauma, someone who's experienced trauma, how do people do that? It feels like until they can somehow take care of their soul in that regard, it's going to be hard for them to empower themselves. I'm sure that's a little bit of what you were feeling. It's like, you're ignoring half of yourself. And until you didn't ignore it, you couldn't process it. I mean, I know I'm putting words in your mouth, so feel free to jump in. I mean, I had to be like, I was literally in solitude pretty much for like six months. You know, I would, I moved to Mexico. I went, like, I would go to dinner here and there, but I was practicing. And if I wasn't teaching, I was alone and pretty cut off. And I just, you know, cried a lot and wrote a lot and uh yeah I think you have to look it right in the face whatever it is you know and take some of the power out of it and the person on the other side you know also because yeah he was a really fucked up terrible you know he did a really fucked up terrible thing but I can't live my life with that holding me back. You know, he can't be the reason for every bad thing that happens in my life. And I think it's really easy for us to be, to be victims, you know, and that's a, that's a common thing, whether it's a trauma or a relationship it's or a job, why is this happening to me? Why did that happen to me? You know? So when you think about him now, do you, does anger come up for you or does a different emotion come up? Uh, it's not anger as much as it's just this unbelievable, like how could someone get to that point? How could someone act in such a way, you know, and especially having a child, like looking at this, I wasn't a baby, but I was an innocent kid. And, and just thinking about how, 
how hurt and how damaged you can be to, to put that on somebody else. It's just something that's really sad to me. So I, I more just feel sadness for him. I don't feel it defines me in any way. And I used to carry it as, as that, you know, I'm fucked up and I'm damaged and I don't feel that way anymore. So that's interesting. I, I want to touch on that. I think something you're kind of saying, which I love when you're saying, you know, he did a bad thing and you used to define yourself as I'm fucked up because of this, I'm this now, you don't let it define you. And something we talk a lot about here is that of events or acts, whether done to you or you doing them, do not define a man, which I've always find so fascinating and true because there's more to someone that's inside. So like, what would you think defines someone? Um, I think that's, that changes for me often, but I think it's the, it's the daily communication with the people closest to you. It's how you talk to yourself. How do you talk to other people? It's, it's just, it's really simple. I think, I think we make things really complicated when they're really simple. Like, do you treat other people with respect? Do you treat yourself with respect? Like, what do you do? what do you do? Like, what's important to you? You know, I don't think it needs to be how much money you give to this charity. Although I'm a big person who big believer in charitable. Um, but I think it's just about how you conduct yourself kind of when nobody is looking, you know, like what's the real deal? Like, how do you speak to your sister, your husband, your mother, yourself? I love that. When you, when you look back at yourself going through this trauma and before you kind of process it all, and I, I just think of so many people who are going through it, and and I know you were kind of talking about it in a way, it's like you weren't yourself. I mean, that's where like the anger came from. Is there any way, and the answer might be no here, but is there any way to keep your soul alive while going through trauma? Mm. I think it's alive. I don't think that it's... I think that's kind of a mistake that we make or a trick we, our minds play on us that this somehow has taken everything from us when it certainly takes a big part of you and it hurts and it's confusing and it, you know, it's, it's horrible on so many levels, but it doesn't, it doesn't take your soul. You know, it's just, it's just another part of you and, and something to process, you know, something to work through. And I think the mistake that we make or to survive, it's not a mistake. I think a lot of times you have to, you know, repress something to get from point A to point B, you know, at nine years old, I didn't have the tools to deal with a sexual abuse, right? I, do, I just didn't. And no therapist or mother or father could have ever given me everything I needed to process it in a way, I truly believe that, where I would be whole again and continue my life in daisies and rainbows. I think I had to get really fucking angry, you know, drink too much, date the wrong people, take the wrong jobs, and get to a breaking point to be able to sit here and talk to people in a way that was really like, I get you, I've been there. And I feel you and we're human. And it does not mean that you will never be uh, whole again because you were never broken. I mean, it's, that's so beautiful. You're, you're never broken. 
So you might feel broken, but you're not broken, which kind of goes back to the self-empowerment, like know to love yourself because it's the goodness is there. How, what advice would you give people to access the scary stuff? So I'm big on journaling and, um, I think it's even when we don't think we have something to say, it's kind of scary to sit there with all of the stuff that you say inside your head, you know, and all of the limiting beliefs and all the, the ways that you speak to yourself and you don't really hold yourself accountable until you're like it's on paper, like I got to look at it, you know, it's real. So I always encourage, you know, my clients and my, um, I practice what I preach to just kind of sit and meditate and then write, you know, or move and, you know, practice yoga and write. Or every time I get angry or I screw up, the first place I go is to my notebook and I write about it because it's, for me, it's an, an, it's a practice of getting it out. And it does, and it probably helps bring clarity. Like you can actually see through all the bullshit. Cause I feel like we all just get so, the noise like affects so much of our opinions of what we think's going on. And it's always so such like a clear, small line of what the truth really is in that moment. <laughs> but we just all get so hung up in all the bullshit around it. Yeah. And we're also like just kind of egocentric by nature. So it's nice to be like, I don't think this is, I mean, such a basic principle that nothing's personal and everybody's like, what? Of course it's personal. Like, you know, and that goes back to being a victim. And, you know, so it's nice to realize that even when we're hurt by people, right? Like it's not nine times out of 10, they're not doing it to hurt us, to us maliciously. So that's another reason I like to kind of write it out because it's an easier way and kind of a direct line to the truth, right? You're like, did that really happen? So you say you have the, all these, a lot of clients you find come to you at like the breaking point and it's either they're in miserable jobs or they need to make a change. Like, what is your advice? I feel like I saw you, we're talking about this somewhere of, which I love this phrase. It's, you know, letting go versus giving up because look, we're both Aries. I get it. I'm a hugely competitive person. You know, I want to accomplish everything I put my mind to. And I think it takes a very different perspective of knowing when you're letting go of something in a healthy way versus when you're actually giving up. And they're two very different things. It's like, for me, it's just a real, it's more of a release. Like, again, like I think it's this, this ego and this like idea that we have to achieve or, or be productive or whatever, you know, it is. And it's like, well, if I don't do this, I won't be that, you know, I think it's just, a matter of trusting that when you release something, it's not, it's not, it doesn't mean that this type of thing is never going to come back into your life. Right. Or this, it just might not be in the form that you originally thought. Right. So like when I was giving birth, this is what comes to mind. I had this, like, I didn't cry when I was pregnant ever. And I'm a big crier and I did it. And I knew that it was going to be transformative, but I had no fucking idea what it was going to be like. And it was 22 hours and I knew, yeah, yeah. And I could say, you know, release, let go, like all I wanted, but you have to practice that. You can't, especially when a baby is crowning, like you can't just be like release, like you have to release. For me, it was just like, okay, I, I am not like we're contracted all the time. Right. So you have to like, you have to just 
settle into the fact that when you let go and you can breathe deeply, like trusting that something beautiful will come of that. That's just kind of how I like to think of it. You know, my baby came, if I contracted the whole time, like he would still be in there. <laughs> that's a good, that's actually a really funny way to think about it. But what would you say to people like with your personality too, of like, like with your job that you were talking about, where you're getting called the C word seven times a day. And in your mind, it's like, I will not fail at this job. Like I am going to do it. But it's, but now in hindsight, you're like, that job wasn't good for me. How does someone synthesize that? How does someone synthesize? For me personally, like I don't, I'm not big on, I'm actually not competitive, which except for with myself. Me too. I'm not, I don't, I don't play that game with other people. I just feel like that's just not my bag. It never happens. That's what I meant about myself. I'm very competitive with myself. Very. Yeah. And it's that like, it's that fire. It goes back to that fire too. It's like the slow burn, the, the nourishing, the, the inviting, not the burn everything down. So I guess your question about, you know, how do you, how do you kind of face something like that and know that it's time to go? How do you release that? If someone was looking at a moment of what could be a really positive change for them or something maybe their soul is like yelling at them for, but they don't know how to listen to it yet, how can they understand the difference in their mind of letting go versus giving up? Because I think for people, especially self people who are competitive with themselves, you know, you can get very confused with giving up because you feel like you have to accomplish everything you put your mind to. I think that there is no such thing as giving up in, in some ways. I think that letting go is what it is all it is. You know, like if we never let go of some things, first of all, they're going to leave either way. And I say this to people either way. I'm like, you have a choice. You can let this go and make the choice for yourself to invite something better in or you will get kicked out of this, whether it's a, someone breaking up with you or someone you getting fired, the decision will be made. So I like to empower people to do it themselves in a way that feels like, oh shit, I just did that. Like, yeah, it's scary, but I'm the one that decided to stand up and let go of something that wasn't good for me. I didn't wait for somebody else to control my destiny. It's like the more you get to know yourself and actually start taking control of yourself. Speaking of which, another thing I read that you've said, which I loved, you said, the smile on my face is not permanent, but it is genuine. But I love that because I think it, you're being very clear to who you are, which is like, I'm not going to always smile. You're not pretending to be this like perfectly angelic being at all times, because that actually sometimes makes my shoulders go up. I get really nervous around people like that who never let their guard down. <laughs> but what I loved about that, especially, oh, it freaks me out. Totally freaks me out. But how do you, now especially hearing your story and knowing like you were an angry kid for a long time, like you were like, I picture the hunched and the angry and the sour face and just the stomach boiling all the time. And I love that you're referring to like, when you smile, it radiates of truth and honesty. So in getting to this phase of your life, what did you, it, it feels like you learned who you were. So what did you learn about yourself that surprised you the most? Uh, how sensitive I am, like how deeply, deeply sensitive I am because I was very often perceived as like this tough bitch and I am a tough bitch, but, (laughs) and I don't apologize for that. And, you know, one of the things that I 
really uh, am turned off about in this community particularly is the air of perfection, which does not exist. And I don't want to subscribe to, I don't wear, you know, I don't always wear a smile and I'm not going to, um, pretend, you know, I'm just not going to pretend. So I think that I found myself to be so sensitive. And I also found that I really needed to figure out a way to make that elevate me and people instead of bringing us all down. So I think a lot of times when someone hurt me or I was affected by something, I would get pissed or, you know, put up the wall or lash out or try to hurt them back. And now I just kind of hang back and let it sit and try to have a conversation about it. Um, that's beneficial for both of us. Or I just straight up, you know, leave the relationship because I don't have time or space. Is that, what do you feel like as, like as humans, we're always evolving and we're always working on ourselves, even when you get to such a, like a, a much clearer place. I'm clearly enlightened. Well, what do you feel? I know, sorry. What do you feel like is your biggest struggle? Like still, like, what do you struggle with the most? Like, I like to ask people like, what's your Achilles heel? What keeps coming back? No matter. I struggle the most right before I had my kid. He, I, was starting to, I never pulled tarot cards for myself because it got to a place that was like not good. So I only read for clients. Cause my husband at one point was like, can we put this on hold? Cause I was like, heartbreak. What is this about? What are you doing? Right? What's happening? And he's just like, I like sitting right next to you. So, uh, I kept pulling the death card, but I also pulled this card that was like, it has this horse and you know, he's kind of like, looks depressed and it's all about expectations that you place on other people. And my big work is to, um, not expect people to meet me where I am. Yeah. I get that. (laughs) (laughs) It's that it's hard and it's, you realize it can be really awful for people on the other side. But I will say that with that gracefully, letting go of friendships that are just no longer working is also something that I am now okay with. I have a really solid group of friends that most of them I've had since I was, believe it or not, in kindergarten. Like these are like ride or die people. And there've been people, you know, who were in my life for a very big chunk of it or maybe small, but now it just, we're not connecting in some way. And I have to sit back and be like, what am I expecting of this person? Like, do I expect them to be exactly where I am to communicate how I do to feel how I feel? No. Okay. So maybe this just isn't working anymore and that's okay. You know, like we don't have to be friends with everybody. We don't have to be in a relationship that lasts forever. Like that's just not a standard I hold myself to, you know? I want to do the for you section now, just really quickly. We just jump into, I'm going to ask you four questions. You give me four answers. They're takeaways for the audience. What's the type of meditation you rely on the most? Uh, everyday activity style. So washing the dishes, uh, like breastfeeding my son, you know, sitting in bed, like anything that I can do because I'm not a big sit in Sukhasana meditate type of gal. 
And uh, I don't think there's one way to meditate. So I just like to do it and weave it throughout my day. Do you journal or have another daily practice? Yes, I journal all the time. And my daily practice, I like to have super small rituals that make me feel grounded, whether that's flags up the wall or lighting a candle or Palo Santo is everywhere in my house because got to just clean all the time. <laughs> Do you have a helpful tip for a deep meditation? Uh, for a deep meditation. Hmm. Yes. I think legs up the wall or Shavasana on your belly. I love that. Do you have a current obsession or a food or drink you cannot live without? Coffee always forever. <laughs> I love that you say that though, because it's so real. I, well, that's what I love. I feel like spirituality is for everybody, everything. And I feel like sometimes people get very limited and you have to, it has to be look like a certain way or feel a certain way. So I, I love that. I'm also not vegan and I don't eat, I don't eat meat, but I don't believe that to have a spiritual practice, you, you know, I believe in, you know, mindful eating, but I don't think that, you know, you have to be any one way. I mean, I, I've loved this conversation because I love where you've gotten to in your life. How do you feel like all of this stuff, and I mean, you've been through some shit. How do you feel like all of this stuff has made you a better teacher? Because I've been really, really low and really depressed and really um, sad. And I think, I think we need to understand those feelings and really look our fears and our, um, sadness and our loneliness, more importantly for me in the face to be able to be truly empathetic, um, and understand how to hold space for other people. And, and was, and yoga for you is what just changed everything. Yes. And everywhere. And I'm a, very much, my practice is like well beyond the mat. So I don't teach that way. You know, I don't. And a lot of times on the retreats I used to teach, certain times people would get upset if it wasn't too exercisey, And that's just not how I teach because I teach it as a lifestyle. So yeah, you're going to be journaling and you're going to be meditating and it's uncomfortable to sit with yourself sometimes, but that's the practice. So it's your choice to show up, but I always offer a well-rounded practice. I mean, look, we're so lucky to have you leading one of our retreats this year, which I can't wait. And yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. I stalked you about that and I'm so glad I did. No, I mean, so us, us too. And it just looks like so much fun as well as it's obviously going to be an incredible experience. Um, if you could tell uh, the listeners how not to define themselves by their story. Like how, how, how can you say that in a way that people can actually synthesize? Because I feel like you're the perfect person to say that because you don't. I think it's still happening. So life is still going. You're listening to this. You're still living. Nothing has stopped you so dead in your tracks that it's over and you're defined and that's it throw your hands up, you know, it's still happening. It's happening. So just know that, you know, it's changing, it's flowing, it's leaving, it's coming. It's just, it's happening. Do you feel like, I mean, now that it's true, look, you, you change your career, you moved to Tulum, you, you met the love of your life. You guys moved back to the Hudson Valley. You have a gorgeous, you know, five month old at home. Like life is good. You, you do what you do, love to do every day. You teach, you practice. It's pretty incredible. And now that you live life from a spiritualist perspective, how can you, how do you look 
back at your life from that perspective. Because I mean, you and I had a very frank conversation, which I love about what happened, how it feels, what it's like to be angry, to carry trauma, to be stuck. When you now look in, you know, hindsight's 2020, and I'm not asking to correct anything, what's your spiritual perspective on all of it? Um, I was living, well, I work a lot with, through chakras and I think I was just so, um, I, I remember my anxiety would be so bad that I couldn't feel my feet on the ground. And because I was just, I felt so unsafe. So I think when I look back spiritually, I just realize how, um, unsafe I felt and how ungrounded I was. And, you know, I feel I do a lot of like past, you know, kind of hugging the little Nina like type stuff because I think it's really important to embrace all of that, you know, that time in my life to hug that person and to say like, it's okay. And it's going to be okay. You know? So yeah, I think it's just, it's weird, right? All these lives we live in one. In one, it shifts constantly. And honestly, the more you're open to it, the more you get these great lives that come in also. Look, I, I kind of want to end there because I think it's a beautiful way to end, which is it's okay for anyone who's going through shit to just know it's okay. And you are the perfect example of someone who has shown strength and beauty and has come out on the other end and is happy and content and still working on yourself every day. And I think it's just, thank you for your raw honesty. Also, I think it's going to be so helpful for people. And it's really, I feel like I learned a lot too. So thank you. If you're interested in going on a retreat with Nina, she's going to be in the Adirondacks August 17th through 23rd. For more information, go to www.denmeditation.com. Don't forget, we always end with a personal practice and Nina is going to lead us in a 10 minute chakra meditation from the root to the crown. So I would like to first give everybody a chance to, um, settle. And for me, like I said, I don't necessarily practice, uh, in a comfortable seat. So if, if lying on the floor is comfortable for you, you can get set up there. I like legs up the wall. I love legs up the wall actually. Um, so just give yourself a minute or two to get settled wherever you're going. And once you find yourself, wherever you are, I'm going to start with three cleansing breaths. So you're going to inhale through your nose. You're going to take a deep exhale through your mouth. In through the nose. And one more time through the nose. And we're just going to start with the ground, with our roots. So bringing your attention to your feet, your legs, and seeing if you can focus and bring the color red into your mind's eye. Just breathing 
deep down into your legs. And envision that breath is swirling around your legs and your feet. Kind of clearing some space. And as you inhale, I'd like you to first exhale, inhale, I am safe, exhale, I am grounded, and start to move your attention up to your second chakra. And invite the color orange into your mind's eye. Bring your attention to your hips. And let your breath start to come in and out, just like the waves of the ocean. So that ebb and flow. And if you are noticing contraction, if you're noticing tension, just acknowledging that and exhaling. Doesn't have to look anyway, doesn't have to feel like anything. Just flowing here. As you inhale, retain your breath for a moment and exhale. Inhale, I trust and I flow. I trust and I flow. And start to come up to your third chakra, your solar plexus. This is a bright, bright yellow. Right above your navel. Inhale, I am powerful. Deep exhale. Inhale, I am strong. Deep exhale. And start to come up to your heart space. The color green. And here, place your hand, your left hand on your heart. Just feel your heart beating. Your breath, the rise and fall of your chest. Take a deep inhale and a deep exhale. I am open. Take a deep inhale. I am love. Moving up to your throat and let your <clears throat> hands drop down into your lap. Start to envision the color blue. Take a deep inhale. Clear some space here. I speak my truth. Deep exhale. Deep inhale. 
and I speak my truth. And bring your attention up to your third eye, the space right between your eyebrows. Deep, deep blue. Take a deep inhale. I trust what I see. I trust that I know. I trust what I see. I trust that I know. And finally, bringing your breath, your attention to the crown of your head and place both hands on your crown. If you're seated, you can lift your spine so you're sitting a little bit taller. Take a moment to ground your seat. If you're lying down, just simply taking your hands on your crown. Take a deep inhale from the depths of your belly all the way up your spine to the crown of your head. Hold. And a deep exhale. Inhale, I am awake. I am connected. I am awake and I'm connected. And start to visualize the color white. And let that white light, that breath, wash over your body, your physical, your subtle, your emotional. Just imagine yourself bathing in this white, cleansing, healing light. And bringing your hands to your heart center and start to rub your palms together, create some heat. And when your hands feel warm, you're gonna place on your body anywhere physical or emotional that you feel could use a little extra space, some more love. Just feel the energy of your hands pressing into your body. And feel that part of your body pressing back into your hands. Namaste.